First Peter chapter 2, verse 25. Somebody asked me if I'm doing a magic trick today. No, I'm not doing a magic trick. Somebody asked me if I was Johnny Cash. No, I'm not Johnny Cash. I just like the color black. Okay, my car's black. I just like, I just like the color black. Anyway, 1 Peter 2, verse 25. I'm going to read the verse. It's only one verse. It's not a long verse, but it's a, praise God, it's a lasting verse. I want to read this verse, and then we'll spend some time together unpacking it. 1 Peter 2, the last verse in chapter 2. If you're there, say I'm there. All right, let's look at this. For you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Father, we, we thank you for your word. Lord, we're, we're in awe of the fact that before us here is your word. And we understand that the Bible is not man's word about God but Lord your word is the Bible is your word to us and so God I pray that we would listen I pray that we would hear in fact Lord that all of us would just disappear every one of us disappear and that Jesus would be seen and heard and revealed Holy Spirit Stir us, move us, convict us, challenge us, change us, guide us into all truth. And we ask it in Jesus' name. And God's people said, Amen. The overseer of our souls. Uh, so here's the, the, the sermon in a sentence to take away. I've worded it this way. The overseer of our souls, which we read about in verse 25, the overseer of our souls, he never overlooks a soul. He never overlooks a single solitary soul. Have you ever been overlooked? <laughs> I know at the Southern Baptist Convention, it's, it's, a, it's, it's, it's somewhat of tongue-in-cheek, but it's, a lot of it's true. If you're talking to somebody, whoever you're talking to, they're always looking past you to see if there's somebody more important to talk to. <laughs> and you do the same thing. It's this ongoing joke. We overlook one another. But I'm telling you, the overseer of our souls, he never overlooks a single solitary soul. So I know there's a lot of souls worshiping with us today in person and, and online. And I just want to throw some questions at you. And you just think through these and say, yeah, that describes me or no, that doesn't. And uh, just think with me through some of these questions and then we'll unpack the text. So let me throw some of these at you and this is to help you understand how much the good shepherd and the overseer of our souls, how much he values you. So listen to some of these questions. Are you so over being overanalyzed? Are you overanalyzing everything? Are you tired of that? Are you overburdened? Have you, are you becoming overbearing because you're overburdened? Is your life overcast with reg regrets? Is the time to stop your overeating and or overdrinking long overdue? Are you listening, are you investing in your family from the overflow of your life? Or are you giving them the leftovers? 
Are you so over your liberties being overgoverned? Are you ready for your marriage to be overhauled? Have you ever thought, man, I hope this slow motorist in this left lane moves over to the right lane, and if they won't, I hope they're overinsured because I'm about to run them over. You ever think that? Do you ever miss being overjoyed? I mean, just overcome with joy. When's the last time you were just overjoyed? Husbands, is your response to fix what your wife is venting to you about, is it overkill? Wives, are you tempted to overleap and overman the authority of your man? Church, do you ever feel spiritually just overmatched? Are you tired of this over-opinionated culture that we live in? Just so over that. Students, do you ever feel like your desire to pull one over on your parents is overrated? Parents, have you ever wish that you could override the rebelliousness of your child. Church, are you ready to see earth overplanted with churches, hell overpowered by the Christ, and heaven overpopulated through the cross? You ready to see that? One day that's going to happen. Mom and dad, is your constant push to have a say in your adult child's marriage? Is that overreach? Are you overworked? Are you overdoing it? Are you overthinking? Are you overscheduled? Are you overworrying about and over everything? Well, here's some good news. <laughs> There's an overseer of our souls who is not overlooking a single solitary soul. I don't care how far away that soul is from God. I don't care how close that soul is to God. The Lord Jesus never overlooks one single solitary soul. And so what I want to do is take this one verse and just pull out uh, some different souls that Jesus doesn't overlook that maybe will help connect with you and with us today. So soul number one are just individual souls. Individual souls. Uh, call them lone, L-O-N-E, souls. Lone souls want a shepherd. We are wired to be loved. We are wired to love. We are wired to be cared about. We are wired to care. That's how God made us. We're made in His image. We're made in the image of God. So we're made that way. He knitted us in our mother's womb that way. That we want a shepherd. Even if we think we don't want one or say we don't want one. We still want to shepherd. We want boundaries. Even if we push those boundaries, even if we go beyond those boundaries from time to time, we still want that structure. We do. We want a shepherd who loves us so much that he disciplines us. We want that. We, we want to be shepherd. It's our makeup. It's who we are. You know, I don't know how many of you will recognize this picture this is a picture of a, about a 1997 video game. You remember these little game packs, Nintendo 64 game packs? And you have it in the console, right? And you're getting ready to play and it starts glitching on you. What do you do with it? You tell me what you do with it. Take it out and what do you do? Right? Have you ever looked at the back of it? There's a warning on, do not blow on the edge connector. There's a warning. 
I, I got to say, this may be easily the most ignored warning in the history of warnings. We all blow on those cars. You know, blow on the VH, VCR. You, blow on, you just blow, right? And it fixes everything, right? <laughs> and, and even though we push past that and we ignore that, we still want it. We still want that in our lives. We still want those boundaries. And, and so here's what Peter says. For you were straying like sheep. And then look at the very last two words, your soul. So here, here's what I want you to see as bookends of this verse. For you, your souls. For you, your souls. When I read that, I thought about, okay, well, we are made. Um, there's really two parts to man, women, boys, and girls. There's the body and the soul, right? There's the flesh and the spirit, right? There, there's really two parts. And the Lord Jesus cares about both. He proved that when he walked this earth. He cared about both. In fact, here's what Jesus says about body and soul in Matthew 10. He says, And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Uh, rather, fear him who can destroy both body and soul in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs on your head are numbered. Even the hairs that used to be on your head are numbered. Even the hairs that are no longer the natural color on your head. God knows every one of them. Belle told me the other day, she said, you're old. So what do you mean I'm old? She said, you have a gray hair. I can see it. Every hair. Gray hair, no hair. Hair used to be there. Hair that will never be there again. God knows every hair. He's numbered them all. In other words, you are of value to God. He values you. You matter to him. And that's what Jesus, that's his point there. Fear not, therefore, for you are more, you are of more value than many sparrows. Not just two sparrows, but many sparrows. You are of more value. And then Jesus kind of, in Mark 8, he approaches it from a different way when he talks about the soul. And he says, for what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? So he says, hey, you are of value to God, but do you value him? You matter to Messiah, but does Messiah matter to you? Jesus goes on in both those texts, at the end of the sparrow text, and at the end of what does it profit a man to gain the whole world text, and he says a similar message. At the end of the sparrow text, he says, hey, if you do not acknowledge me before, uh, before men, I will not acknowledge you before my father. And at the end of the, 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 what does it profit a man to give the whole world? He says, and if you are ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, I'll be ashamed of you in the glory of my Father. So in other words, we are of so much value to the Lord Jesus that he puts these boundaries up. And he wants to discipline us. And he wants to disciple us. And he wants to love us and care for us and shepherd us. And he does all those things. And every soul wants that. Even if they don't know they want it, they want it. Everybody wants to be loved for and cared for like that. Martin Luther stood up before the Roman emperor in 1521, and this is what he said, Here I stand, 
And what he meant was, I am bound by the word of God, and I stand under the authority of God's word and its norms. In other words, he's, he's embracing that the bonds of Scripture, the boundaries of Scripture have set him free. They've not enslaved him, they've set him free. I was reading an, an article about two different playgrounds, two different preschool classes. One playground had preschoolers on it with no fence around the playground, no fence. The other playground had a fence. And so this study was done to see how the preschoolers would, would respond on a playground without a fence at school and a playground with a fence at school. And the preschoolers that didn't have the fence, they huddled around that teacher and they would not leave. I mean, they wouldn't get one step away from her. And they did not have the fence around the playground. On this other playground where there was a fence, the teacher couldn't get the preschoolers to come to her. They were all over that place. And so the researchers concluded that at least with preschoolers, they feel more freedom, not less, but more when they have boundaries, when there's a fence there. And the Word of God, the truth sets us free. And the shepherd loving us and caring for us, and he disciplines those he loves. Why? Because it sets us free. Every soul matters to God. One, one scholar said it like this, value the whole person. Not merely a part of it. Value his soul as well as body. And his body as well as soul. This is what Christ did. And therefore, so should we. The body's sufferings did not occupy his attention to the neglect of the soul's sins. And the soul's sins did not occupy Jesus' attention to the neglect of that person's body. Both are of value to him. Individual people. Individual men. Women, boys and girls. They matter to the Lord Jesus. Isn't that good news? That our shepherd is good. And he wants, he's able, he's willing to shepherd us. Here's another soul that the Lord doesn't overlook. These are lost souls. Lost souls need a shepherd. And he, remember, he's talking to believers here, but they've not always been believers. We know that from verse 25. For you were straying like sheep. Now Isaiah tells us that all of us, every one of us has strayed away like sheep. All of us. Every single one of us. And Peter is making the point here, for you were straight. Uh, you, you've come to Christ now, but used to, you were lost. And you need a shepherd. You know, I, I've, I've got to tell you, I, I was reading Paul Harvey. Anybody know who Paul Harvey is? Good day. Remember Paul Harvey? Good day. Uh, Paul Harvey was um, telling a story about a motorist who was removed unconscious. From a wrecked vehicle. He was taken to a gas station just real close by. And his rescuers took him there and unconscious at the time. But he came to, and when he came to, he started struggling violently. When he opened his eyes, he was just really struggling. And they didn't know what to do. So they got him under control, took him to the hospital. Well, later, when he was recovering in the hospital, they asked him, why did you struggle so violently with your rescuers? Why were you trying to get away from your rescuers? He said, well, they took me to a Shell gas station, and when I opened my eyes and I came to, one of them was standing in front of the S. Wait for it. You know, Jesus said of lost people, here's what he said. They are like sheep without 
a what? Shepherd. And those folks who are lost, described as sheep without a shepherd, they, if they remain that way, they will go to the real place spelled shell without the S. They will go there. But they don't have to. And they don't need to. Uh, lost souls need a shepherd. And the word here is straying. That word is describing the hopeless, helpless wandering of lost souls. A person who has no direction, no purpose, uh, that is straying, that's gone away, that is deceived, that is wandering about. You say, well, what is the nature of sheep to wander <laughs> To wander off into the, in, in, amongst hungry wolves or to wander off to that steep cliff. I mean, that's just the nature of sheep, to wander off. And we're good at it. We come up with all kind of creative ways to stray away, don't we? And to wander off. There, the, today, I mean, for years, shepherds used staffs and dogs to round up sheep. Uh, today, technology, they use GPS and other ways at some point, they were using these hoof-proof grids that the sheep were, uh, at least up until 2006, they didn't even try to cross. They were scared of it or whatever. But in 2006, uh, one sheep laid down and rolled over that grid. I mean, listen, we're creative. We can find ways to rebel. We can find ways to stray away. That's the nature of sheep. For you were straying like Sheep, straying away, going away from the one who laid down his life for us. And when we stray away, we come up with all kinds of excuses now. Well, that group of people over there, they're a bunch of hypocrites. Or, man, they, they haven't reached out. Or, man, they hurt my feelings. Or, man, I got this work going on. I got this project at work. Or, we got these sports going on. Or, I got this busy. I'm just busy. And I got school. And you name it, we proclaimed it. And we've used it as an excuse to stray away. We've all done that. Isaiah said... All have like sheep gone astray. I, I remember reading about this scenario where a shepherd, when that, sheep, when that little lamb is born, he notches the ear of that lamb to identify that's my lamb. He notches his ear with the image of that shepherd. Then that lamb grows up and strays away. That sheep gets to be a grown sheep. And strays away. And one day the shepherd finds that sheep and he finds them at an auction. And the auctioneer is, is auctioning off this grown sheep. And the shepherd spots him and sees that notch in his ear. And he looks to the auctioneer and he says, That's my sheep. And that belongs to me. The auctioneer said, well, Buddy, I'm sorry, but like everybody else, you're going to have to pay. You're going to have to pay up. So the shepherd pays an unreasonable outrageous price for this straying away sheep and so now this sheep belongs to the shepherd in two ways from birth with that notch on his ear but also through redemption he bought him back see this is what Christ has done Did, Jesus said I am the good shepherd I laid down my life 
for the sheep. What does that mean? It means Jesus came to this earth because you and I strayed away from the Lord in our sin, separated from the one who made us in his image. So God gave us his only son who paid the penalty of our sin. And and the Bible speaks of his blood being more precious than gold. That, That he gave his life as a ransom for many. And oh, I pray today that you can say Jesus gave his life as a ransom for me. I pray you can take that word many and replace it with the word me. That you know him personally. See, lost souls, they they need a shepherd. And Jesus paid that redemptive price. You've been bought at a price. You don't belong to yourself. You belong to the Lord. Not only by being made in his image, you're his image bearer. But if you're in Christ, you've also been bought by his redemption. Oh, isn't he a good shepherd? The good shepherd. Lost souls need a shepherd. Here's the third one. Lonely souls. Listen, here's, let me say that lonely souls have a shepherd. If you're in Christ, you have a shepherd, the good shepherd. And if you're in Christ, you can say like David, the Lord is my shepherd. You can say that. Now, does the Lord promise you an easy life? If you're in Christ, does he promise you an easy life? He never promises an easy life. God never one time in his word promises us an easy life, but all the time he promises us eternal life. Eternal life. Not an easy life, but eternal life. So you're going to be lonely, yes. You're going to grieve, yes. You're going to be depressed, yes. You're going to be sorrowful, yes. You're going to be hurt, yes. You're going to be betrayed, yes. You're going to be persecuted, yes. It's not going to be easy. You're going to be lonely, but you'll never be alone. You have a shepherd. You have a shepherd. Let me, let me tell you this. There is no place on planet Earth while I, where I feel dumber than walking into a Lowe's. Or a Home Depot. I know absolutely nothing about anything in that store. I've never felt more ignorant than walking into a Lowe's. I'm just, I don't know anything about anything in there. Now, I know people that know everything about everything in there. And one of, one of my friends who knows everything about everything in there, he told me, he said, lumber prices are so high right now, so high that, that Lowe's has replaced the lawnmowers out front with grief counselors. It's, it's just so high, it's gotten ridiculous. Now, I don't know if that, maybe or maybe not, there's grief counselors. I don't know. But this is what I do know. Every single lonely soul who is in Christ, you are not alone and you never will be alone. The beauty of the gospel is this. If you're in Christ, God is with you now. And when you die, you'll be with him forever. He'll never leave you. He will never forsake you. And here's how Peter describes how these souls have a shepherd. He says it like this, for you were straying away like sheep, but have now returned. Look at the word now. Somebody say now. Boy, isn't that a good word? Now. You don't have to wait till you die to have a shepherd. In Christ, you have one now. Right now, there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. 
Right now. You have returned. So now, since you've returned, right now you have the shepherd, the good shepherd. He's your shepherd. You have now returned. Now, the word return means to turn back. It means to repent. It means to change beliefs, change behavior, change direction, change, transformation, repentance, all that. You have turned back to this good shepherd. You have now returned to the shepherd. That word shepherd can mean pastor, herdsman, one who herds sheep, one who cares, gives direction, God's loves the sheep. I mean, think about it. what did Jesus say to Peter when he was restoring Peter? Feed my what? Feed what? He, he, he's, he's, he used a pronoun. He said, my sheep. Feed my sheep. Take care of my sheep. Feed my lambs. Feed my sheep. Why? Because they belong to him. Because they have a shepherd who shepherds the sheep. And here's what Jesus does for us. Here's, the, here's some part of the role of the good shepherd. The good shepherd, Jesus, is the feeder of believers. He feeds us. He feeds us through his word, right? This is the, Jesus says, I'm the bread of life. And we feast on his word. He's the feeder of the sheep. But he's also the leader of the sheep. Follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. We follow him. He leads, we follow. He doesn't follow us. He's the leader. So he, he is leading believers. He's, he's the feeder of believers. He's the leader of believers. Number three, he's the interceder of believers. Right now, he's at the right hand of God interceding for us. So he's feeding, leading, and interceding for believers. That's what the good shepherd does. He cares for us. He says, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. Sheep are drawn to the Father. Sheep are not driven to the shepherd. They're drawn to the shepherd. And by the way, how are sheep drawn to the shepherd? How are they drawn to the shepherd? By what? Noah's what? Noah's voice. Yes, his voice. They know his voice. I was reading about a... You know, different cultures, not, not necessarily our culture. I mean, I'm sure we have some shepherds that shepherd sheep in, in America. I'm sure we do. But in other cultures, it may be more prominent for shepherds to shepherd sheep. And in one such culture, they have this watering hole where there'll be 15 or 20 shepherds with 15 or 20 flocks that all flock to this watering hole at the same time for the sheep to be refreshed. So your sheep is mixed up with my sheep, and my sheep's mixed up with your sheep, and the sheep are just all mixed up. And when the shepherd gets ready to leave, the other 14 are staying, but he's leaving. What does he do? He calls for a sheep. And his sheep, out of that mixed pot of sheep, his sheep come to him. Why? Because they know his voice. Here's what Jesus said. He said, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I've come that they may have life and have it abundantly. I'm the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, he sees a wolf coming, he leaves the sheep and flees from them, and the wolf snatches the sheep and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand. And cares nothing for the sheep. I'm the good shepherd. 
the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep and I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice. God's voice. You want to hear God speak. You listen to God's word. If you want to hear God speak, you read God's Word. If you want to hear God speak out loud, read God's Word out loud. Because I don't care who is proclaiming it. When the Word of God is proclaimed, God is speaking. He's speaking. Do you understand that over 400 times in God's Word, we are told, thus says the Lord. You can't improve on what God has said. And he's still speaking. God speaks in the sting of that betrayal. He's speaking to you. God is speaking in the pain of your suffering. God is speaking in the grief of your loss. God is speaking in the weight of that burden you're carrying, in the guilt and shame of sin. God is speaking. He speaks in the still small voice. He speaks in the wind and the wave. But he is always, always speaking. Whenever this word is proclaimed, God is speaking. He has spoken. He continues to speak. So if you want to hear him, listen to his voice. Read the word. Get in the word. You know, Steve Jobs, years ago, asked actor Jeff Goldblum to be the voice of Apple. Jeff turned that job down. He didn't want that job. So a lady named Susan Bennett is now the voice of Siri. One of the most popular voices in our world is probably Siri, right? But even Siri doesn't know everything. You can stump Siri. She doesn't know everything. But there is a voice that knows all things, knows you intimately, knows everything, knitted you in your mother's womb. And he loves you and he cares for you and he never, ever leaves you. Lonely souls have a shepherd. You have a shepherd. Here's the fourth soul, loyal souls, those who are following Christ, those who are trusting in him. Loyal souls, they know the shepherd. They know who the shepherd is. Uh, look what it says here. You've now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. That word overseer is an important word. You know, in 2001, there was a census taken in Britain, and the census asked religion of people in Britain, and nearly 400,000 people wrote in Jedi as their religion from Star Wars, Jedi. Jedi are of the order of the guardians with the swords of light and that kind of thing. And so this word overseer can mean guardian. It can be translated guardian. But the Jedi is not the guardian of your soul. Jesus is the guardian of our souls. He, he guards it. He keeps it. That's what it means to guard it, to keep it. It means to safeguard it. Uh, to, to, to one who has the responsibility of safeguarding your soul. Jesus alone is the guardian of our soul. Why? Because we need a guardian. We want a guardian. And we can't guard our souls on our own. Jesus is the guardian of our souls. But not only guardian, it, it also can be translated as the one who is in charge. Jesus is in charge, church. He's in charge of this church. He's in charge of the universe. He's in charge of you. And he's in charge of me. 
He's the overseer of our soul. And the overseer of our soul is sending you and he's sending me. Because the one who oversees our unsaved soul, or our saved souls, the one who oversees us and cares for us and loves us and directs us and guides us into truth, and this overseer of our souls is sending us because there's more unsaved souls to oversee. And we're called to go after them. We're called to go tell them this good news that there's a good shepherd who longs to be their shepherd. I don't know where you are with the Lord today. I pray you can say this. I pray you can say this. I pray that you can say with sincerity of heart, I pray you can say, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. I hope you can say, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. That even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you're with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I hope you can say that you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. I hope you can say that you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows and surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I hope you can say that. If not, we're going to give you an opportunity to come into the flock, to come into the fold. The good shepherd is inviting you in. But you have to repent. You have to turn around, just as this text says, right now. The good news is you can do it now. You can turn around and you can believe that the good shepherd laid down his life for you. And that he took it up again. That he was raised from the dead. You can believe that, and you have to believe that in order to come into the fold. So I want to invite you to do that here in a moment. All right, believers, you say, yeah, I've done that. You know the shepherd, but are you making him known? See, here's what's happening. I was reading about East Africa there was this journalist that did a story on these two different types of sheep, two, two folds of sheep. One fold was very sickly-looking sheep, just sickly sheep, just sick. The other group were very healthy sheep. And the sickly sheep were on the side of the fence. They didn't have any grass. It was barren land and no water. Their shepherd was not good, okay? They're over here struggling. And they're all lined up. These sickly sheep were just lined up across this fence line, peering over the fence, And they see these healthy sheep. And they see all the grass and the water and the good shepherd caring and loving on his sheep. And they the journalist said they were peering over that fence as if they wanted to to long to, to jump over the fence or to be on that side of the fence, to have that good shepherd. You need to understand there are people in your life who are peering over the fence of your life. And they see the joy that you have even in times of sorrow. And they see the comfort you have even in times when you're uncomfortable. And they see the peace that you have even in the midst of the storm. And they're trying to figure out this doesn't add up. What do they have that I don't have? And they're wanting you to invite them 
into this fold. Now, here's, our, here's, here's where it gets a little tricky. Our culture is continually sending out this message of just cancel everybody. Somebody doesn't agree with you, cancel them. Somebody doesn't think like you, just cancel them. Don't have a conversation with them, cancel them. Well, here's the problem. Church, we can't do that. We are not allowed to do it. We have no right to do that. Some of us in the church have canceled each other. We can't do that. You can't be done with people you're going to spend eternity with. It doesn't work that way. You, you can't do that. So let's not cancel each other. Let's not have that spirit that the culture says is the right way. Let's invite people. I know you've got that coworker that, my heavens, they are headed straight to hell. They're hell bound and they're happy about it. I know that. And they won't listen to anything you have to say. They don't want to hear it. But yet one more time, the Lord is telling you one more time to go tell them. One more time to tell them. One of our church members told me that a little seven-year-old boy in our church was talking to his friends and buddies. said, you know, I don't have to be tall to be a missionary. I know you don't. You don't have to be tall to tell. Tell them about Jesus. You don't have to be tall. You don't have to be this or that. If you know the good shepherd, you can make him known. And that's what we're called to do. That's what we're called to do. Maybe that neighbor or that friend or that person in your family is just... You're just done with them. You're at your wit's end with them. But here's what the Lord, the good shepherd, is saying. He's saying this overseer of our souls, he never overlooks a single solitary soul. Maybe you're overlooking them. Maybe you've counted them out. Maybe you've tried to forget about them. The Lord hasn't. And they're in your life for a reason. They're in your life so you can point them to Christ, the overseer of our souls. He never overlooks a single soul. Now, yes, you're right. The author of life never authorizes ungodly lifestyles. So that family member, that friend, that neighbor, that co-worker is living as ungodly as you can live. You're still called to go tell them there's an overseer and a shepherd who loves them and cares about them and wants them in his fold. Yes, I know that this one who is the beginning and the end, he never begins to come to an end. Some people don't even believe he exists. And they're in your life for a reason, for you to remind them, hey, he does exist. And let me tell you about him. Let me point you to him. I know the one who was delivered over to die a sinner's death will never deliver us over to die the second death. And he doesn't want to deliver anybody over to die a second death. So we're called to go tell that this overseer of our souls, he wants to oversee their soul. He wants to give them hope and peace and joy and comfort. Listen, church, bottom line is this. The overseer of our souls, he never overlooks a single solitary soul. Neither should we. Ever.